What's happening, everybody? Justin, Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube, Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter, fueled as always by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees, and welcome to week 14 of my weekly NFL football pick show for the 2019 NFL regular season, as well as postseason. We're just coming off of the uh, sarcastically lucky week number 13, and how did week 13 go for the picks? Well... I will say this, week 13 was a banner week for the rule of four, which now moves to 10 and three on the season. The rule of four basically doubling itself up last week. Week 13 replacing week four as the week with the single most betting underdogs winning their game straight up this season. We had nine of them win straight up last week in week 13. I feel rather fortunate that I grabbed three, maybe four of those betting underdogs winning their game straight up, but man, nine. Speaking of nine, that's how many games I got correct straight up last week. Only nine and seven straight up has me 117, 74, and one, just picking winners and losers this season in the NFL. Against the spread and over under, I was six and 10 in both regards. Six and 10 against the spread, six and 10 on the totals. Not a very good week. Uh, really across the board because you want, even want to be better than that straight up. Against the spread now 87, 103, and 2 on the season. On the over-unders now 3 games under 500 at 93, 96, and 3. And as it usually always is in a reflection of the picks as a whole, the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks struggled in week 13 as well. Only two and two straight up. Like I got my gold pick and my silver pick straight up with Kansas City demolishing Oakland and the Saints beating Atlanta. However, both Carolina and Philadelphia lose in the same week to Washington and Miami. So it was a little bit of a weird week. Uh, against the spread, I only got one game correct, which was Kansas City covering minus 10 against Oakland. So that worked out. I did go even money on the totals. Told you to go over 40 and a half in Carolina, Washington and stay under 49 in New Orleans, Atlanta, which felt like an unpopular pick to me at the time, but I did get those ones right. So really a mixed bag at best in the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. Taking a look at both the Bridgewater's Finest and official NFL YouTube prognosticator pick'em pools for this season in the Bridgewater's Finest pool, I now sit in ninth place. Funny, we got a we got a nine trend going on here. Ninth place out of 37, 1,014 out of 1,520 possible confidence points. That is a clip of 67%, and even on a down week where I only brought in 69 of 136 possible confidence points, which is only 51%, I I'm still in the running because of how much most of everyone else struggled this week. One person who didn't struggle, West Coast Martin, my boy, West Coast Martin, 10 and 6 last week in week 13, bringing in 95 of 136 possible confidence points. That's a clip of 70%, and that was enough for West Coast Martin to win the week. Justin V remains our overall leader, 121, 70, and 1, bringing in 1,063 of 1,520 possible confidence points. That is a championship clip of 70%. Still within 50 points here, even back in ninth place, but Justin remains the leader.
In the official NFL YouTube prognosticators pick and pool, I've moved back down into 13th place out of 36 with my 117 correct straight up picks this season in 192 games. That's only a clip of 61% and it's not where we want to be straight up. I did bring in 9 of the 16 games correct last week, but that's only a clip of 56%. We're not going to be winning anything moving in that direction. In week 13, we had a three-team tie at 10-6, and six, including the aforementioned West Coast Martin. 10-6 and six was the winning record this week. That's a clip of 63%, and we had three people make it there. Bubsy's Picks remains our overall leader, 128 correct straight-up picks out of the 192 games played. That's a clip of 67%. Bubsy has about a four-game lead on second place in this pool. So shout-out to West Coast Martin and the three teams tied for the Week 13 victory and to Justin V and Bubsy's Picks for remaining our overall leaders. Just kind of treaded water in fantasy football this week, checking in on Fantasy Corner. Only went 4-4 four and four in my matchups last week. Now, I did win in the Professionals Dynasty Fantasy Football League. That was the matchup against Conrad for first place. I finished the regular season 11-2 in first place, and the playoffs begin this week. I have a playoff quarterfinal matchup against Tim's crazy team, which right now is only a projected win by about 10 points. Honestly, all the playoff teams really have a shot at it this year, which makes me very, very excited, not only as a member of that league, but as the commissioner of that league. So really looking forward to our playoffs this season. I did lose in the official NFL YouTube Prognosticators Fantasy Football League. I lost to Chalupa Batman. That was also a matchup for first place. So while I finish 11-2, I only finish in second place. That does, however, mean that I get a bye through the playoff quarterfinals. I am not a fan of playoff buys in fantasy football, but I'm not the commission of this league. I don't get to make that decision. So I'm certainly going to take advantage of the fact that I don't have to worry about how my team does this week. In those eight fantasy football leagues, I am in the playoffs, locked in in five of them. And this week I have three win and I'm in matchups. And that includes a league that I'm in first place because the top four teams are all either nine and four or eight and five. So everybody's still got a shot at it. I have never made the playoffs since uh, Yahoo Fantasy Sports expanded to allow eight teams per user account. I've never made the playoffs in all eight leagues. If that happens this season, which I got a shot, I just got to win this week and I'm in. If that happens, it will be a first for me. And I'll take this opportunity to remind you, as I always do, that if you go to the description of the video file on YouTube or of the audio file on SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, hey, maybe this one, you can find all of my results from week 13, all of my straight up against the spread and over under plays for week 14 in the NFL. You can find information on joining either the Bridgewater's Finest or official NFL YouTube prognosticators. Pick'em pools where even though we're into week 14, it is never too late. Get yourself shouted out on the show if you happen to win a week. Put your picks head-to-head -head against mine. You can also find information on joining the NFL YouTube prognosticators Facebook page where we talk football all week long. Plenty of conversations, plenty of topics to touch on. You can also find in this description information on my great friends and sponsors 
at NerdTees. We've officially hit December, folks. Christmas is closer than anyone wants to think or admit. It is time to get your online shopping done. If you don't get it done, you're going to miss out. NerdTees.ca. Hit that promo code BWFINEST. That is going to save you 15% at checkout. You're going to get your free shipping in Canada on any order over 75 bucks. If you're in the U.S., you're going to get a great conversion rate on the U.S. dollar. And today's blend is cookie dough, a personal favorite of mine. Smells like a GD bakery in this place. Nerdtease.ca, promo code BWFINEST. Get your free shipping, save you 15%, find yourself something to love, or find someone you love something to love. You can do it on nerdtease.ca. Okay, folks, we're in their full slate of 16 games on the schedule this week. Uh, a couple of really big numbers in the spreads, but honestly, I feel like I'm on a skating rink. Like, I feel relatively insecure about a lot of these picks, and part of it is, like, there's a lot of road teams in here, and a lot of road teams against the spread, and I'm feeling a little nervous about it. So, look, we're just going to run into this thing with reckless abandon, and look, no one is more critical of my picks than I am. Like, no one agonizes over how I'm going to pick these games more than I do. And I realize how much I've struggled this year, especially against the spread and over-under. So trust me, when I say I'm walking into this week nervous, uh, I feel it, like, down in the pit of my most prodigious gut. We're going to kick things off in Chicago, where the Bears are going to play host to the Dallas Cowboys. Both of these teams coming into this game off of the long week, having both played on Thanksgiving Thursday. And obviously... I didn't mention it last week because I'm Canadian and sometimes I forget these things with your your newfangled wrong dates for holidays. But happy Thanksgiving, happy belated Thanksgiving. And uh, I think if I can quote uh, one of the great orators of our time, uh, WWE's Roman Reigns, uh, in my household, if there's still leftovers in the fridge, it's still Thanksgiving. So for some of you, I'm sure it's still Thanksgiving. This is a matchup of two teams going in opposite directions right now. The Cowboys at 6-6, they do still lead the NFC East, but they are losers of two consecutive games, not playing their best football right now. Meanwhile, the Bears, also at 6-6, they are winners of two straight games. Maybe trying to make that late postseason push where I think they would basically have to win out from here, but still maybe not impossible. Chicago picked up the four-point victory in Detroit on Thanksgiving. Dallas dropping a two-possession loss at home against the Buffalo Bills and that great Bills defense. By all rights, the Dallas Cowboys should not still be leading this division. If the Philadelphia Eagles were at all competent in the last month, and if the Redskins or Giants were competent period, uh, the Cowboys would not be leading this division, certainly at 6-6, and and even though Philly's lost three straight, Dallas has absolutely no room to breathe because they can't, they just can't generate any separation from the team that is behind them. We're getting a little more back into numbers this week, and uh, what I really looked for this week was interesting, tantalizing matchups, stuff that I'm going to be watching for in these games. With Dallas and Chicago, look, the Cowboys still have the number one total offense in football, which is mind-boggling that they're only 6-6 six and six and have only put 310 points on the board on the season. Like, they're being outscored by the Minnesota Vikings, and that's no disrespect intended 
to Minnesota, but the fact that the Cowboys don't have more points than that, given the yardage that they've put up, doing the least with the most, I guess. And they're going up against a Chicago Bears defense that is still very good. This is a top 10 total defense in the NFL this season. That's going to be an intriguing matchup. But then when you flip the ball on the other side, you've also got a Dallas Cowboys team that is a top 10 total defense this season. I think they're like right beside each other in terms of top 10 total defense. But the Bears are the fourth worst total offense in football. The Bears have struggled all season long with their deployments, all season long moving the football. That could be a pretty significant edge here for the Cowboys. This is going to be a popular spot, I think, for a lot of people to take the underdog home team, which the Chicago Bears are in this matchup. But to me, this comes down to, do I trust the Bears to win back-to-back football games? Not necessarily. Do I trust them to win back-to-back-to-back football games? Boy, that's a real stretch for me. Do I trust the Dallas Cowboys to win a game in a vacuum? Even though the game's on the road? I do, and Dallas needs this game more than Chicago does. Chicago is only holding on by a thread and I think would need a ton of help to make a run and make the playoffs. So while I don't think that's going to happen, I do know that Dallas needs to win this division in order to make the playoffs. Dallas is not making the playoffs. Nobody in that division is making the playoffs if they don't win the division. Dallas has to be the hungrier football team here. I'm going to take the Cowboys on the road in Chicago to beat the Bears. On the line, like I mentioned, Bears are two and a half point dogs at home. I like Dallas to win. It's a small price to pay. So I'm going to lay those two and a half points. Take Dallas minus 2.5. Total in the game set at 43 points. I've only got this thing capped at a mid to high 30. I don't think this touches 40 points. So we are going to stay under on this number, under 43 points in Dallas, Chicago. Let's take Cowboys 22, Bears 15. Let's go to Buffalo now, one of the more intriguing matchups on the schedule this week as far as I'm concerned. The Buffalo Bills at home taking on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Buffalo has the luxury of coming in on the long week, having beaten Dallas in that aforementioned Thanksgiving Day game. This is a matchup of two of the hottest teams in the AFC. I mean, the Ravens are the hottest team in football. Eight straight wins. The Bills have reeled off three consecutive as well since dropping their 6-2 and two matchup to go to 6-3. and three. three straight wins, four wins in their last five for Buffalo. Again, they beat a good team in their barn on Thanksgiving Day last week. And Baltimore, I mean, what more can you say about the incredibleness that has been the Baltimore Ravens in what is arguably a Super Bowl preview, Baltimore beats San Francisco 20-17 last week. Obviously, the most interesting matchup here, as far as I'm concerned anyway, is going to be when Baltimore has the football, because you're talking about that incredibly strong number two total offense for the Baltimore Ravens, going up against a stout number three total defense in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills. That defense is no joke. Obviously, Baltimore's offense is no joke. I'll be interested to see what Buffalo has got schemed up to kind of go against Lamar Jackson and what they've been able to do.
I mean, I've talked a ton about what the Ravens can do on the offensive side. How about defensively? They have not allowed 20 points in a single game in the last month. They've got two games where they allowed fewer than 10 points. They're actually one of the hottest defenses in football right now as well. And it's almost impossible for me to bet against a team that's laying up 39 points a game in the last month. No disrespect to Buffalo. Gotta take Baltimore in this spot. Let's take the Ravens in Buffalo to beat the Bills. On the line, Ravens are five and a half point favorites on the road in Buffalo. I gotta lay the points on the road team here for the second straight time, and this is where I'm getting in trouble this season against the spread, but I guess I'm just gonna keep going back to the well. It's under a touchdown. I mean, I can't, I don't think I can give up Baltimore under a touchdown right now, given how they are playing. So we're gonna lay those points, take Baltimore minus five and a half. Totaling the game set at 43 and a half points. This is one of at least eight totals this week that I think are absolutely perfect. But I'm going to lean on the under because the two teams are combined 10 and 14 on the totals this season. So it's at least a little bit of a stronger lean to the under based on the trend. So we're going to go under 43 and a half points in Buffalo, Baltimore. Let's go Ravens 24, Bills 18. Let's go to Cleveland now. I guess we have to. Brown's going to play host to the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati picking up their first win of the season. Who told you that was going to happen? Ya boy. And a few others. But for this purposes, ya boy. Cleveland at 5-7 and seven has to be considered one of the disappointments of the AFC this season. They dropped a single touchdown uh, loss last week in Pittsburgh to the Steelers. Again, the Steelers desperately needed to win in the context of the, well, honestly, look, both teams desperately needed to win in the context of the wild card. Pittsburgh got it done on their home field like I told you they would. Cleveland sitting there at 5-7 and seven, and their playoff hopes, you got to imagine, are probably all but gone. Um, I certainly don't think this is some renaissance for the Cincinnati Bengals based on the fact that they beat a, a completely inconsistent New York Jets team in Cincinnati, of course, even though like the Jets have played some pretty good football lately, like they've won three of their last five games. So they're, they're not a, exactly a pushover, but I just had a feeling that this was that, that was that kind of game that Cincinnati was going to win. Lo and behold, they went out and they did it. But again, I certainly don't think this is Cincinnati's turning a corner and, and they're ready to roll. Of note, it looks like the Bengals are going to get John Ross back for this game this week against Cleveland. John Ross has been on the IR designated to return since I think week three or week four, something like that. So that's certainly going to be a welcomed re-addition in the receiving core for Andy Dalton and the Bengals. Couple of interesting situational matchups here. Obviously, the Bengals, one of the worst offenses in football this season, the fourth worst run offense, but they're going up against a Browns team that ranks in the bottom 10 defensively against the run. So, if there's going to be room for Joe Mixon to do some work, Cleveland's not exactly the worst opposition to have on the other side of you. On the flip side of that, Cleveland has a top 10 run offense in their own right. Kareem Hunt has been very good for that team's run offense, not just with what he's done on the ground, but with the lanes that he's opening up on the line of scrimmage. 
Cincinnati the second worst run defense in football. I think Cleveland should have a field day on the ground, which is a good thing because the pass game may not be quite where, well, I mean, it's not in general where anybody in Cleveland expected it to be this season, but even compared to where it is, maybe a little bit lesser. Obviously, Baker Mayfield last week injuring his hand in the second quarter. He had x-rays, which apparently came up negative. Freddie Kitchens, the head coach who wears terrible, terrible t-shirts, uh, said that Mayfield would be fine. He may be limited in this game. It will be worth keeping an eye on if you're a Browns backer. Of note, since this is a division matchup, the Browns have won two straight head-to-head after seven straight wins by Cincinnati, so two in a row here for Cleveland, but the Bengals are 8-1 and one against the spread in the last nine, including back in December of last year where they covered plus 10 against Cleveland. You know what, man? Good on Cincinnati. They put up 20 points for the first time in a month. They gave up less than 10. As a matter of fact, they have given up less than 20 points in three straight games, have the Cincinnati Bengals. So maybe that defense, you know, you never know. Some bright spots. But relatively simple math here. The Browns are outscoring their opponents by a touchdown over the last month. Cincinnati being outscored by about a touchdown over the last month. Gotta take Cleveland in this spot. No justifiable reason, I don't think, not to take the Browns here. In fact, they were almost in my platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. And had they not poopied their pants last week, they probably would have been in there. But we're definitely on Cleveland here. Let's take the Browns at home to beat the Bengals. On the line, the Browns are eight and a half point favorites, which is gross. Like this is this is one of two lines this week that the only way I can describe them is gross. Like it's disgusting. Some of these spreads, um, man, eight and a half points. God, it seems like a lot until you realize that's only like a touchdown and a field goal. Not even. It's a touchdown and a safety. Well, I think I gotta hold my nose. I think I got to take the Browns to cover that. It's not going to be a high-scoring game. Total in the game is 40.5 points. I got to tell you to go under on it. The two teams have only hit 8 of 24 overs this year. Yeah, take it. Lay the points. Browns minus 8.5, under 40.5 points in Cleveland, Cincinnati. We're going to go Browns 25, Bengals 14. Let's go to New Orleans now where the Saints are going to play host to the San Francisco 49ers. Another one of the marquee matchups that we have this week. And we got a couple of them and we have at least one or two actually that we haven't even talked about yet. So Saints playing the 49ers. Saints on the long week. They won on Thanksgiving Thursday. They're going in the right direction. The Niners on the tail end of back-to-back road games. They lost last week. Not necessarily going in the right direction, certainly not in the playoff picture, where now all of a sudden, despite the fact that they're 10-2, and they're only the fifth seed in the NFC. Saints won last week. They did their job. They've clinched this division, the NFC South, at 10-2. and So they know they're going to the playoffs. They know they're getting a home playoff game. Now is a matter of doing the work to get towards a bye week to get towards one of those first-round buys in the NFC. Will 12 wins get it? I'm not sure because you've got Seattle and San Francisco that are both there at 10 wins. Green Bay's at 9. Minnesota's at 8. It might take 12 wins, but even if it's going to take 12 wins, doesn't necessarily mean that New Orleans has to go all out to win this game this week. 
the most interesting unit matchup in this game to me is, look, the Niners a top 10 total offense this season. The Saints a top 10 total defense. So when the Niners have the ball, that's when I'm really, really going to be paying tight, close attention to this football game because that is just such an intriguing matchup to see if that Saints defense really can hold off the Niners. However, on the defensive side for the Niners, we do have an injury issue, and that is in the secondary. Safety, Jaquiski Tart, who has been on my Dynasty team uh, a time or two. We had a cup of coffee in Dynasty. He suffered a broken rib last week. He did not return. It's being called a pain tolerance issue by the Niners coaching staff. His status for this game is very much uncertain. I would be very surprised if the Niners would roll him out there as a fairly important part of their defense uh, in a game where he just recently broke ribs, I would be very surprised. So I would expect he's not going to play, but there is still the possibility there. But Richard Sherman is walking into this game a little beat up. There's some injury concerns on the Niners' side, for sure. But the Niners also know that Seattle is in tough this week in a game that we will talk about a little bit later with the Rams. So they know they're in tough. They know another win. They can flip the script on the fact that they went from the like number one seed in the NFC all the way down to number five. They can reflip that script if they win this game. It's a very tough opponent. It's a tough place to play in New Orleans. New Orleans playing decent football right now, although, you know, the defense may be leaving a little something to be desired in a couple of these games. I gotta take the Niners here because they have to be the more desperate, the more motivated football team. So even though the game's in New Orleans, I'm actually gonna go with the Niners here. Let's take San Francisco to beat New Orleans. On the line, the Saints are two and a half point favorites at home. I like the Niners to win, so thank you. I will take those points. Niners plus 2.5 total in the game set at 44 and a half points this is our basically third straight uh, perfect total this was an absolute coin flip for me I flipped a coin it wound up on the over so we're going to go over 44 and a half points in San Francisco New Orleans let's take Niners 24 Saints 21 AFC East matchup up next, Jets taking on the Miami Dolphins. Both of these teams have some injury issues heading into this game. I mean, they have, you know, more issues than that for two teams that have only combined to win seven games this season. Jets on the losing end, of course, in Cincinnati last week. Hey, Miami, they picked up a win, a certainly unexpected win at home, beating the Philadelphia Eagles a team that everyone expected to beat them late in the season. Kind of seems like last year when the Dolphins won a home game against New England. That was a game that not many people, I think, expected Miami to win. I believe that was last season. And look, they came up on the good side of it. They came up on the good side of this game against Philly as well. A mind-boggling loss for the Eagles. But in much the same way that Cincinnati winning one game doesn't mean that like, oh, I think they've turned a corner. Miami winning one game doesn't necessarily mean that I think they've turned a corner either. Uh, the New York Jets are the better football team. At the very least on the defensive side. The offenses, I'll give you, they're relatively comparable. But defensively, there's no comparison between these two teams. Jets are a significantly better defense. And speaking to that point of the offenses being fairly comparable, this is a battle of the second and third worst total offenses in football, but here's where the difference lies. The Jets are a top 10 total defense this season, despite the fact that they're only 4-8. and eight. Miami sporting the third worst 
total defense. They have trouble stopping anybody. They just gave up 31 points to an Eagles offense that had been struggling prior to playing them that week. So look, on the defensive side, no comparison. Certainly got to lean on the hometown Jets. Like I said, injury concerns on both sides. We'll start in Miami's backfield where Kalen Ballage suffered a non-contact leg injury. He did not return last week. It's looking like a multi-week absence. Who knows, they may just shut him down for the rest of the season. His status for this game, obviously very much uncertain, but I would be really surprised if he played. Now in the secondary for the Jets, Arthur Mallett at cornerback. Suffered an ankle injury late in that game last week. His status is uncertain this week, but that's just a single player in what is a collective, pretty okay Jets defense. Now, it's worth pointing out, the Dolphins have beat the Jets four straight times in head-to-head matchups. So they've beaten them four straight times over the last two years. They're also 5-1-1 against the spread in the last seven head-to-head matchups. I can totally understand why the Dolphins as an underdog play here makes sense and why a lot of people are taking it. But I look at how these two teams have played over the last month and I don't particularly see a great comparison between the two of them. Like, look, Miami, they're doing some decent things offensively. They put up a couple of 20-point games. They had their 37 points last week in Philadelphia's inexplicable brain fart. But this defense is still not... Not playing well. Three of their last four games, they've allowed 30 points. That included a 41-point performance a couple weeks ago and a 37-point performance a couple of weeks ago. The Jets, uh, you know, accepting last week, have been putting up 30-plus points a game. This Jets offense will be able to move the ball and will be able to put up points on a bad Dolphins defense. I have to take the Jets here, especially with how good the Jets defense has been playing lately. Let's take the Jets at home to beat Miami. On the line, Jets are five and a half point favorites at home, and you know what? It's under a touchdown. I think that is the legitimate difference between these two teams. So I'm gonna lay those points. I'm gonna take the Jets minus the five and a half points. Feel free to call me an idiot after the fact if I wind up being wrong. Total in the game set at 44 points. Again, our like fourth straight perfect total. This is more of a lean for me, but I was leaning on the under prior to doing the math. And I think I'm going to stick there. I think we'll stay under 44 points in Miami, New York. Let's take Jets 27, Dolphins 15. Let's go to Tampa Bay now. Interesting matchup here between the Bucks and the Colts. Both teams, kind of like the last matchup, coming in with some injury concerns on either side of the football. And two teams that I think most probably would have expected maybe a little bit more from. I think if you talk to most people, most fans of the NFL, they probably would have expected the Colts to be above 500, not just at it at 6 and 6. And look, they're not out of this in terms of the division. They're two games back of Houston, they're a game back of Tennessee. This is far from over for the Indianapolis Colts, but they got to start turning it on here. We're getting late in the season. This would be a nice spot to try to make a run at 9 or maybe 10 wins. And you got the Bucks at five and seven. I don't think most people would have expected them to be ahead of Carolina. I'll say that. But the Bucks have only gotten to five and seven because they've won two straight. So, I mean, this was a, a three and seven, not very good football team just a couple of weeks ago. And Carolina's also lost four straight. So th- there's context needs to be given sometimes to some of these standings. 
The health of Marlon Mack may wind up being paramount in this game as the Colts bring their number four run offense. And you'll be interested to see, you know, how, what does that run offense, you know, does it look like the number four run offense in football if Marlon Mack is not out there? Taking on the number two run defense in the NFL in the Tampa Bay Bucks, And that's been consistent all season. The Bucks have been at or near the top of the league in terms of run defense basically the entire season. Now, the flip side of that is they can't seem to keep points off the board. They're the third worst scoring defense in the NFL, but in general, they've been able to stop the run. As I mentioned, pair of injuries in this matchup, both on the defensive side, both in the secondary, both at cornerback. Indianapolis, cornerback Kenny Moore had an ankle injury. He did not return last week. His status this week is uncertain. On Tampa Bay's side, Jamel Dean, cornerback. He has a shoulder clavicle injury, did not return last week. His status is uncertain. So that could be a couple of blows on the defensive side of the football should open up some more things in both pass games. The Bucks defense has given them a couple of performances over the last month that at least put them in position to win some of these games. And it's been their last two. They've only given up a combined 33 points in their last two games while scoring 28 and 35. So if the defense can act like it's awake, then Tampa Bay has a legitimate shot with the way the offense is playing right now to beat virtually anybody. Even though I would argue that Indianapolis needs this game more so than the Bucks do, that kind of puts the Bucks in a position where the, you know they're they're rightfully the favorite in this game, especially considering the games in Tampa. But right now, this is 100% about the playoffs. This is 100% about the playoffs. The Colts have a legitimate shot. I don't look at the Bucks as though they have a legitimate shot because even at nine and seven, I don't think they're getting one of those wild card spots. So I have to take the Colts here because the Colts have to be desperate. Every playoff possible team that plays the Bucks for the rest of the season has to be desperate to get a victory to put themselves in better position. Even though the game's in Tampa, I am going to take Indianapolis on the road to beat the Bucks. On the line, again, rightfully, the Bucks are three-point favorites at home, as they should be. I like the Colts to win. I will take those three points, go Indianapolis, plus three. Total in the game set at 47.5 points, and finally a total I feel really, really good about. Because I've got this game in like the mid-50s. I think we see a lot of points in this football game, so we are going to hammer over 47.5 points in Indianapolis, Tampa Bay. We're going to go Colts 28, Bucks 27. Let's go to Houston now. Texans taking on the Denver Broncos in an interesting matchup here. Texans, like we mentioned, leading their division, kind of in the driver's seat here to win that division, even though they're only a game up on Tampa, or Tampa, on Tennessee. Sorry about that. Houston's won two straight games. They've won four of their last five. Tennessee's right there. They've won three straight and four of their last five. Denver, the only reason I talked about Tennessee there, Denver, they're 4-8. and eight. Now look, they were on the happy side of a victory last week. Denver coming up with the win uh, against the Chargers. Again, I took the Chargers, I believe, in that football game. And once again, the Chargers joining, if you'll follow me on Twitter, my coveted eat shit list. The Panthers are on there too.
And based on the way that Los Angeles lost that game against Denver, I almost have to treat Denver like a three and nine team rather than a four and eight team because I, I don't think they Denver should have won that game. Los Angeles just finds all of these incredibly creative ways to lose football games. I've never seen anything like it. They're, they're the Annie of the NFL. It's a hard knock life if you're a Chargers fan. When Denver's got the football, they're not a good offense. They're the sixth worst total offense in football. But Houston's the sixth worst total defense. And normally I wouldn't point out sixth worst, but they were both sixth worst in this uh, in this context. So Denver, a bad offense, but Houston, arguably a bad defense, which is really going to be a problem for Houston come playoff time because there's some real good offenses that are going to make the playoffs in the AFC. Another situation here, like the New York Jets-Miami game, where the team that is playing at home is also playing better football lately. I'm going to lean on the Houston Texans here. I've got Houston winning this game against Denver in Houston. On the line, though, this is a huge spread. This is Houston laying nine and a half points as a home favorite. And I think that's just too many for me. This Denver defense is still fairly good. And in a matchup with a low total of 41 and a half points with a Houston defense that is not very good at, you know, just playing, playing NFL defense, I think Denver can keep this close. Even if we're talking about like a garbage time cover, nine and a half points is too many for me. I got to hedge my bets there and go Denver plus the nine and a half points at Houston. Now, again, totals 41 and a half points. I think this is a perfect total. It's a little bit of a lean on the over here, but it's not going to fly. We're going to go over 41 and a half points in Denver, Houston. Let's go Texans 23, Broncos 20. Let's go to Jacksonville now. Battle of the Jags and the Chargers. Chargers on the tail end of back-to-back -back road games. Coming off of that, again, inexplicable loss against Denver last week. Jacksonville turning back to Gardner Minshew as their starting quarterback for the rest of the season. A job he never should have lost. I don't give a shit about how much money you're paying Nick Foles. The better quarterback is the one that takes the field. And Gardner Minshew... In almost any way you want to look at it, this season has had better numbers than Nick Foles. And I realize Foles had the injury. But when Foles was playing, you put Gardner Minshew's numbers up against Foles' numbers when he's been playing. Minshew's numbers are better. I'm glad they made the decision. Foles becomes the new Brock Osweiler, a very, very, very expensive backup quarterback. Pair of teams at the bottom of their respective divisions playing for pride. They've lost their last combined seven times they've taken the field for a football game. So neither one of these teams is very good. It's shocking to me, though, that the Chargers are actually outscoring their opponents. It's only three points, but I mean, like, they're four and eight, but they've scored three more points than they've allowed this season. That just goes to show you how heartbreaking all of these losses have been for the Chargers because they've all been crazy close and some weird, stupid shenanigans. Who's got a voodoo doll? Who's got the Philip Rivers voodoo doll? Is it Philip Rivers voodoo doll? Is it just a voodoo doll of the Chargers logo? Someone's got to have one because this team is 100% cursed. We'll be interested to watch this game when the Chargers have the ball, how they try to deploy their ground game, which has struggled this season. They're a bottom 10 run offense in the NFL, but Jacksonville's a bottom five run defense. They've really struggled stopping the run this season. This may be the game where they get Austin Eckler going, where they get Melvin Gordon going, but I can't, I don't know, you, can't, you just can't trust it.
Another thing leaning in the Chargers' direction is the fact that in Jacksonville's secondary, DJ Hayden, who has not given up a touchdown in man-to-man coverage this season, which is a almost a mind-boggling stat given that we're 12 games into the season, um, hasn't given up a man-to-man touchdown. He left last week with a neck injury. His status is uncertain for this game. That's another chip in Los Angeles' direction. So once again, kind of like last week, almost everything is pushing in LA's direction and I don't think they're going to win because I can't trust them. How how could anyone, even the biggest LA Chargers homer, how could anyone trust this team right now? Take Jacksonville. Jacksonville wins this football game, not only because of Minshew mania, but because you can't trust the Chargers. On the line, Jags are three-point dogs at home. I am more than happy to take those three points. I think you hedge your bets either way. Even if you like the Chargers to win, I think you take Jacksonville by plus three because of it's the Chargers. But I'm going to take those three points as Jacksonville is the underdog. Total in the game, 43 points. I've only got this game at like a high 30, so I don't think it cracks 40. We're going to stick under on this one. We're going to go under 43 points in Los Angeles, Jacksonville. Let's take Jags 21, Chargers 17. Let's go to Oakland now. Raiders are going to play host to the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee also on the tail end of back-to-back road games. However, they did pick up the victory last week. Tennessee with a big two-touchdown win in Indianapolis against the Colts, 31-17. That win was huge in the context of the division, as well as in the context of the AFC wildcard, because Tennessee is right there with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And you have to include the Oakland Raiders in this conversation as well, as they're at 6-6 and only a game back of that second wildcard spot. So this is yet another pivotal matchup for both of these teams, but especially for the Tennessee Titans, who have won three consecutive games, as we mentioned earlier, and are winners of four of their last five. Oakland kind of going in the wrong direction here after they they kind of had that they had that sniff at the top of the division. Since then, they've dropped two consecutive games, including getting pounded last week in Kansas City. Now look, the Raiders are good in their own building. They're five and one at home this season. That's a good home football team. The Tennessee Titans, they're an average road team. They're at three and three. They're doing their job away from home. Interesting storylines, no matter which one of these two teams has the football as you're watching this game. Titans have a bottom 10 pass offense, even though Ryan Tannehill has kind of picked it up as of late and is playing some decent football. The Raiders are a bottom 10 pass defense and basically have been for the majority of this season. So what will Tennessee be able to do through the air? Might we have a Corey Davis sighting finally this season? On the other side, Oakland, top 10 run offense, Josh Jacobs. What did I say before the season started? He is in the best position of any offensive rookie to make an immediate impact of this season. Wouldn't you know who won the pony? He's probably going to be the offensive rookie of the year, and I think he should be. But the Titans, a top 10 run defense. He will be facing a stout run defense this week that is not allowing a ton of yardage. That'll be an interesting matchup whenever Josh Jacobs gets handed the football. 
Defensively for the Titans, they are dealing with an injury in their secondary. Cornerback Adoree Jackson injuring his knee. Another player that I kind of had a cup of coffee with on my Dynasty Fantasy team. He has a knee injury. He did not return last week. And per Coach Vrabel, there will be no update on Adoree Jackson's status until tomorrow. So, you know, I have no way of knowing. I have to assume he's probably not going to play. But, hey, you never know. Stranger things have happened. Even if the Titans are missing a Dory Jackson this week, that offense has been undeniable the last three weeks. 31, 42, and 35 points. They're putting up the points and they're facing a defense that has been a little porous, especially in the last couple of weeks, allowing 40 and 34 in their last two games. I've got to hammer the Titans here. I feel really good about Tennessee, even though they're on back-to-back roadies, even though they've got that injury to a Dory Jackson. I like the Titans on the road in Oakland to hand the Raiders just their second loss this season in the black hole. On the line, Oakland is a three-point dog at home. I understand it. I've still got to lay the points on Tennessee. I like them to win. It's a relatively small price to pay. Let's take Tennessee minus the three points. Total in the game set at 47.5 points. I've got this right around a mid-40, so it's pretty darn close to this number, but I'm going to stick on the under on this one. We're going to go under 47.5 points in Tennessee, Oakland. Let's go Titans 26, Raiders 19. Back to another marquee matchup alert here. The New England Patriots playing host to the Kansas City Chiefs, and all of a sudden, the Emperor may have no clothes here in New England. Look, is this me overreacting to the Patriots' just second loss of the season? I don't think so. That was a game in Houston that should have been tailor-made for New England to win, and that is no disrespect whatsoever to the Houston Texans. But with how good New England's defense is, and with how bad Houston's defense is, that should have been the rebound game for this Patriots' offense. And look, the offense is scoring points. They've been scoring points all season. I get that. The defense is incredibly, incredibly stout. Arguably the best defense in football. I get that. But New England's two losses this season have been when they played any team with a pulse. And the Chiefs sure as hell showed they had a pulse last week. A 40-9 drubbing of division rival Oakland. They are now turning a corner, very firmly turning a corner. Two straight wins. They're at eight and four. The offense is humming. Patrick Mahomes is not limited whatsoever. The Chiefs are five and one on the road this season. This is the matchup for the New England Patriots. If New England loses this game, you like obviously the questions have already started, but if they lose this game, the the questions are going to explode about whether it really is. I mean, it may be finally the end of this dynasty. Is is that something that we're finally seeing? You know, not to mention the fact that Tom Brady has been one of the least productive quarterbacks over the back half of this season. Obviously, it's must-watch television no matter which one of these two teams has the football, but especially Kansas City. The number four total offense in football up against the Patriots' number two total defense. So let's see just how good that Patriots' defense really is. We saw it against Baltimore. We saw them struggle a little bit. Let's see if they struggle against a more than capable Kansas City offense. In terms of points on the board, points not on the board, Kansas City and New England have played pretty darn identical football over the last month. They're both averaging 21 points a game against over that span. 
What's the difference? Kansas City scoring 31 a game. New England is scoring 18. I, I, you can't take New England in this matchup. I don't think so. I think this is Kansas City's time. I think Kansas City showcases it on a big stage late in the week. Chiefs go into Foxborough and beat the New England Patriots. Kansas City wins. On the line, Patriots are three-point favorites. I like Kansas City to win. I'm more than happy to take those three points. Let's take Kansas City plus three. Total in the game set at 48 and a half points. I've got this game getting over 50, so we're going to have to go over 48 and a half points in Kansas City, New England. Let's go. Chiefs 27, Patriots 24. Heck of a game. Let's go to Los Angeles now. Aforementioned Rams and Seahawks matchup that I mentioned. Seattle really in tough when I was talking about the San Francisco game. Seattle in tough this week in Los Angeles. Now Seattle had a pretty darn good looking, for the most part, Monday night or last night, winning that game 37-30. to You'd like to see the defense play a little better, but man, no question marks about that Seattle offense. They can score some points. The Rams, meanwhile... Feeling like they've kind of turned a corner here a little bit. Rams playing better football. A 34-7 victory against a division rival. Granted, it's Arizona, who's a bad football team, or in general, a bad football team. But they got it done. Rams have won three of their last five. They look like, offensively especially, they've turned a corner and maybe are going to start turning into that offense that everyone expected them to be this season. Rams are back up inside the top five in terms of their pass offense. And they're going up against a Seahawks secondary that has really struggled this year. They're the fourth worst pass defense in the NFL. The Rams should not have trouble with the weapons that they have engaging those weapons and moving the ball through the air. When Seattle's got the ball, they're a top 10 pass offense as well. Russell Wilson has had himself an excellent season. Once again, an MVP caliber season. The Rams have a top 10 pass defense again. So they're just crawling back up into these spots that makes for more compelling television, no matter which team has the ball. Division matchup here, so obviously two teams that know each other very, very well. The Seahawks won last time out after three consecutive straight-up head-to-head wins by the Rams. Also worth noting, the Seahawks are 4-2 and two against the spread in the last six head-to-head matchups, and they've had four straight head-to-head matchups go over the total. No disrespect to the Seattle team. That offense is humming along. They're scoring points, scoring points. The defense in general, at least from a scoring perspective, have been all right and have been all right over the last month or so. The Rams have struggled a little bit, but man, that performance last week, of course, you got to take into account the competition. I just kind of have a feeling about the Rams here. They're a home underdog, but barely, only by like a single point. And I would kind of expect this game to be probably right around a pick by the time uh, kickoff occurs. I kind of just have a feeling about the Rams. Of course, Seattle come into the game off the short week, having just played last night. They got to cross the, not cross the country, but they got to go into enemy territory to play a Rams team that looks like maybe they got a little bit of their confidence back. I just kind of feel the Rams in this matchup. Let's take Los Angeles at home to beat Seattle, a pivotal, important, one would say necessary win for the Los Angeles Rams. I'm going to take LA to beat Seattle. On the line, like I mentioned, Rams are a single point dog at home. I like them to win, so I'll take the single point. Rams plus one. 
Total in the game set at 46 and a half points. I've got the game capped at a mid 50. Like we said, it's been four straight overs between these two. I don't see any reason why that stops now. We're going to go over 46 and a half points in Los Angeles, Seattle. Let's go Rams 27, Seahawks 26. And the last game we're going to look at before we get to the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 14 is the Philadelphia Eagles playing host to the New York Giants and the Eagles. Bleh. And yes, I left that in intentionally. Garbage. The Eagles were terrible last week. How do you lose to the Miami? How do you give up 37 points to Miami? How do you do that? Eagles have lost three straight games. And look, look, let me characterize it to you this way. Let the let, let the Redskins win the division, right? The, the, the Redskins have won two straight games. They're the only team in this division that looks like they give a damn about winning a game. I just kind of try to keep telling myself, like, look, Philly's a better team than that. You know Philly's a better team than that. Philly knows Philly's a better team than that. I guess this was just their one-off where they give up 37 points to one of the worst teams in the league. Good Lord. Anyway, they play a Giants team this week that has lost eight straight games, is not interested in winning, nor should they be really at this point. I mean, I, I get that they want Daniel Jones to obviously gain confidence as an NFL quarterback, but I mean, they just don't really have the weapons to do that. Now, the one great weapon they do have, obviously, is Saquon Barkley. However, the Giants have only generated a bottom 10 run offense this season, even when Saquon has been healthy. And they're going up against the number four run defense in the NFL this season, those being your Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles have won five straight head-to-head -head matchups here between two division rivals. However, the Giants are 4-2 and two against the spread in the last six head-to-head. -head. Eagles have to be in desperation mode. Eagles have to win this football game. Eagles will win this football game. God help them if they don't. Let's take Philadelphia at home to beat the Giants. On the line, here's our second, bleh, our second gross total of this week. The Eagles are nine-point favorites. The only reason this game is not in my platinum, gold, silver, and bronze is because of how much the Eagles poopied their pants last week. And yes, I'm saying poopy. That Eagles performance last week does not deserve me speaking like an adult. So that is the only reason that it's not inside the platinum, gold, silver, and bronze. But now looking at this line, I'm glad it's not because this is disgusting. I have to hold my nose once again and lay those nine points on the Philadelphia Eagles because the Giants, they not good. Total in the game is set at 47 points, pretty close to a perfect total. I'm going to lean over on it. Now, they did go under last time they played, but that under broke a streak of six straight overs head to head. So I think I got to go with the trend there of six and one over in the last seven. Let's say the game goes over 47 points. In Philadelphia, New York, let's take Philly 29, Giants 19. Pray to God the Eagles win this game. The Philadelphia Eagles. So bad last week that I literally just had to get up and go take a dump. Okay, folks, here we go. Platinum, gold, silver, and bronze picks for week 14 in the NFL. We'll start, as always, with the bronze pick. 5-8 and eight straight up, only 3-10 and 10 against the spread and five and eight on the total sees the Arizona Cardinals playing host to the Pittsburgh Steelers obviously two teams going in very different directions here the Steelers with still playoff aspirations at seven and five and winners of two consecutive games 
taking on a Cardinals team that has dropped five consecutive football games, I believe that is, currently sitting at 3-8-1, and one, one of the basement dwellers of the NFC. Pittsburgh has certainly not been getting it done with the offensive side of the ball, but it's been the defense. That defense has been playing incredibly, incredibly well lately. And while there are some in this community, Chris Carter, who will look at that and say, well, yeah, but look at who they were playing. I totally understand that because it was fair game when we said that about the Patriots. And it was fair game when we said that about the 49ers. So I guess it's got to be fair game when we say it about Pittsburgh. When you look at who they're playing this week, like this is why this pick is where it is. Obviously, I'm on the Pittsburgh Steelers this week because you got one team that still has playoff aspirations, that's still trying to win football games up against a team that's not not necessarily in the tank battle because if they are, they're they're like two games behind in the tank battle, but a team that doesn't really have anything much to play for but pride. Granted, this is a Super Bowl rematch, so maybe there's some like there's still some lingering whatever like oh we want to beat the team that beat us in the Super Bowl like. 10 years ago or whatever it happened to be. So like, okay, maybe there's that. But beyond that, I don't see a whole heck of a lot that Arizona is playing for here. Like I mentioned, this is a battle of two bottom 10 total offenses in the NFL so far this season. But Pittsburgh, the number five now total defense, which you can't poo-poo that entirely. That defense is doing something right. Whereas Arizona sits with the single worst total offense in football. The Cardinals have four consecutive games where they have allowed at least 28 points. They have three consecutive games where they've allowed at least 30 and back-to-back games where they've allowed at least 34. Yeah, Pittsburgh's going to win this football game. It doesn't really matter who's playing for them either, I don't think. Quack, 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 Ducky Hodges is going to have himself a heck of a game against this Arizona Cardinals team. Let's take Pittsburgh on the road in Arizona to beat the Cards. On the line, somehow, Pittsburgh's only a a two-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Thanks very much for that. I will 100% take that as it's a small price to pay in general, but holy cow, how they're not at least like a five or five-and-a-half favorite, kind of like Baltimore against Buffalo, I don't understand how they're not a much bigger favorite, so I will just say thank you and lay those two-and-a-half points. Total in the game set at 43.5, another kind of perfect total. I kind of leaned on the under here with how bad these two offenses have been this season, so I think that's the way that we'll go with it. Let's go under 43.5 points in Pittsburgh, Arizona. We're going to go Steelers 27, Cards 15. Steelers straight up, we're going to hammer the Steelers minus 2.5 against the spread in a game that stays under 43.5 points. That is your bronze pick. My silver pick, where I am 10 and 3 straight up and 6 and 7, both against the spread and over under, sees my Green Bay Packers playing host to the Washington Redskins. Washington coming in on the tail end of back to back road games, having been almost inexplicable winners last week, but they also come in with a bit of an injury concern on their roster heading into this football game. Washington came up with a 29-21 victory in Carolina. Carolina, congratulations. Enjoy your spot on my eat shit list because how in the world could you lose that game? So, we'll talk about Carolina coming up. You'll note I haven't mentioned them yet. So, Washington's coming off a win. Great. Does that mean I think they've turned a corner? No. Does that mean I think they're capable of winning three consecutive games despite the fact that they've won back-to-back? 
No, it's really not. The Green Bay Packers cannot, it's a game they can't afford to lose. Just plain and simple. They got handed a great gift by the fact that Seattle hung on to beat Minnesota last night. They now have a one-game edge in the division. This is a 100% must-win game. No guarantees that the Minnesota Vikings win this week. I haven't mentioned them yet this week either. We're about to get there. But no guarantee that they win this week because they have a division matchup. Anything can happen. Green Bay 100%, 1,000% has to win this game. And given that they have won six of their eight games against NFC opponents, I'm not overly concerned, we'll put it that way. Also not overly concerned by the fact that this is the worst scoring offense in football going up against a Packers team that is at least above average in that category. And we're talking about Washington with like an okay defense. Like Washington's defense hasn't completely caved in on itself, especially lately. But going up against what I'm now coining the double-decker A.A. Ron, where you're talking about Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Jones... I just don't think Washington's defense holds up, especially if one of their better linebackers is not in the lineup. Washington linebacker Montez Sweat, I believe he's a rookie actually, suffering a quad injury. His status is at least a little uncertain, but he does seem closer to playing than not. He kind of described it as soreness and they're kind of taking it day by day. So he might be in there, but he could very well be limited if he is. That's You know, sure, I'll take that as another reason to take the Packers as if I needed another one. We're definitely on Green Bay in this matchup. Let's take the Packers at home to beat Washington. On the line, Packers are laying 13 points as favorites at home. And it's at least a little bit tough for me to say that this is justified because, again, Washington's defense hasn't completely caved in on itself, especially lately. I mean, 16 points and 21 points allowed in their last two games. The offense is at least scoring a little bit. I just don't necessarily think that Washington's offense keeps pace. Green Bay has had like one bad defensive performance in the last month where they gave up 37 points. Other than that, they've been fairly good. I think the offense turns it around. I think they use the momentum that they gained last week, putting up 31 points. I think that continues. I think I got to lay those points. Like it's, it's kind of, it's a gross number. It's pretty close to a gross number, but I'm going to call it gross justified. So we're going to lay the 13 points on Green Bay. Total in the game set at 42 points. I think the game stays under. I don't know what you're going to get week to week from Washington on the offensive side. You don't really know what you're going to get week to week from Green Bay on the offensive side if we're being perfectly fair and honest. But it's a perfect total. It's a pretty perfect total. It was a bit of a coin flip for me, but I think I got to lean under. We're going to go under 42 points in Green Bay, Washington. Let's go Packers 28, Washington 13. Green Bay straight up. We're hammering Green Bay minus 13 against the spread in a game that stays under 42 points. That is the silver pick. My gold pick where I'm 11-2 straight up but only 5-8 against the spread and over-under sees the Minnesota Vikings, aforementioned, playing host to the Detroit Lions. Now, Minnesota comes in on the short week, having played last night. Detroit comes in on the long week, having played on Thanksgiving, and Minnesota comes in potentially down Dalvin Cook. Like I mentioned, Minnesota dropping that 37-30 decision last night on Monday Night Football. I didn't think the Vikings looked great for a lot of that game. Again, I picked the Vikings to win that game. I didn't think they looked great, 
But, um, I mean, they, they kept it close. They kept it close right down to the end. And in the end, they just kind of, like, they didn't exactly poop the pants. They just kind of sharded a little bit. Meanwhile, Detroit let a winnable game slip through their fingers last week. They're losers of five consecutive games. I mean, I just think the team's kind of lost, and I think they're just kind of playing out the rest of the season, which is why this pick is where it is, despite the Dalvin Cook injury. You got the Vikings with a top 10 total offense. Detroit, the fourth worst total defense in the NFL this season. They have struggled stopping anybody and everybody. Looks like they may not have to worry about stopping Dalvin Cook. He injured his clavicle shoulder uh, in the game last night. He did not return. He did say, I'll be good to go, but his status is very much uncertain heading into this division matchup against Detroit. The Vikings have won and covered four straight head-to-head matchups. Again, division rivals, they play each other all the time. The under has hit five times in the last seven head-to-head. Look, even if Dalvin Cook doesn't play in this game, Alexander Madison, I think, has shown this season that he is more than capable of carrying a load as like an early down back in a spot start situation against a bad defense. I think Madison has himself a pretty darn good game if Dalvin Cook misses. Honestly, I would sit Dalvin Cook in this game. We're going to take the Vikings at home to beat Detroit. On the line, Detroit is a 13 and a half point dog in Minnesota. And I think that's too many points for a division game in general, but especially a division game where Minnesota could be missing one or even two of their top weapons and it's Kirk Cousins and, you know, the Kirk Cousins of it all. So I think I got to take those points. I think this is a hedge one way or the other. I mean, certainly if you like Detroit to win, but I mean, you know, I I certainly don't like Detroit to win, but I do like him to cover plus 13 and a half. So that's the way we're going to go against the spread. Total in the game set at 42.5 points. I've got this capped at a mid-50. I feel this goes way over the 42.5. So we're going to go over in Minnesota-Detroit. Let's go Vikings 32, Lions 23. Vikings straight up, but we're hedging our bets and taking Detroit plus 13.5 against the spread in a game that goes over 42.5 points. That is your gold pick. And your platinum pick, where I am 11-2 straight up, 4-9 and nine against the spread, and 5-8 and eight on the totals, sees the Atlanta Falcons playing host to the Carolina Panthers. And this may be the first time I've ever had a team go from the beneficiary of my platinum pick, which they were last week, Carolina beating Washington, to on the losing side of my platinum pick where I have Atlanta curb stomping the Carolina Panthers. They are on my shit list for the, my eat shit list, I should say, for the rest of this season because, oh my God, not to mention they got a significant injury on the offensive side. But again, just like, what the hell, man? Like, how do you lose to Washington? And how do you do it in your own building? By eight points. Awful. Awful, awful, awful. Just a microcosm of how bad that season has been for Carolina. And Atlanta, say what you will about Atlanta. Yes, they lost to New Orleans to a very, very good New Orleans team, a division rival. Yes, they've lost two straight games. Yes, they're only three and nine. But Atlanta is going to beat Carolina this week because who in the world can trust the Carolina Panthers? I certainly can't. They've dropped four straight games. I love Atlanta in this spot. 
Now look, that requires a little more explanation. I'll totally get there. The Falcons, just outside the top 10 in total offense despite the record, against Carolina, just outside the bottom 10 in total defense. I think Atlanta will be able to do whatever they want to do through the air and maybe even on the ground because, sure, Atlanta's got the third worst run offense in football. Carolina's got the fourth worst run defense. They can't stop anybody on the ground. Maybe Atlanta gets the run game going a little bit. That's what I kind of expect to happen. And Carolina on the offensive side, Greg Olson suffering a concussion in the game last week. His status is uncertain, and I would say heavily uncertain. I would not expect Greg Olson to play this week. That's a huge weapon, a huge safety blanket taken away from the Panthers offensively. The Falcons have also won and covered four straight and seven of the last eight head-to-head against Carolina. That's some pretty decent Atlanta teams, but there's a couple of decent Carolina teams in there as well. Four straight and seven of the last eight head-to-head. On the line, Falcons are only three-point favorites at home. I'm more than happy to lay those three points. Relatively small price to pay. Falcons minus three. Total in the game set at 48 points. I think this is pretty much a perfect total, but I kind of lean on the head-to-head trend. The under has hit four times in the last six head-to-head, and there was a push in there as well. So the under is 4-1-1 in the last six head-to-head. So I think I got to lean on the under here. I think we go under 48 points in Atlanta, Carolina. We're going to go Falcons 27, Panthers 20. Atlanta straight up. We're going to hammer Atlanta minus three against the spread in a game that stays under 48 points. That is your platinum pick. My God, I'm already at an hour and a half worth of recording time. It's a good thing there's some stuff to chunk out of this episode, as well as the fact that I started a little early. It is time now for the patented comment of the week. The comment of the week from the week 13 episode goes to the blind Canadian cat, my friend Cody Roy Parker. Uh, we're in fantasy football leagues together. He's a uh, you know a long time I think member of this community now. He got a few years under his belt. Cody's comment, the blind Canadian cat. He said last week, nothing like a good old Super Bowl 47 rematch. That being, of course, between Baltimore and San Francisco. Funny, the last matchup between these two featured Emobile Flacco for the Ravens versus Crazy Feet Capinick. I'm too lazy to look up how to spell his name for the Niners. Now we get Speedster Jackson for the Ravens and practically immobile Jimmy G for San Fran. Oh, how the times change. Also, can you lose this week, please? I'd like that bye week for the playoffs. Unfortunately, I was not able to do that for you, Cody. Best of luck to you, Justin. Best of luck to you in the fantasy playoffs, Cody. Yours is the comment of the week from the week 13 episode. Can I get this episode done in four hours before I have to be to work? Who knows? Find out next time. Same Bridgewater's Finest time, same Bridgewater's Finest channel. That's it for me, Justin. Bridgewater's Finest on YouTube. Blockbuster underscore guy on Twitter. Fueled, as always, by the incredible folks at Nerd Tees. Week 14 in the books. I hope you enjoy the games. We will see you again for week number 15 when it is fantasy playoffs for everybody. Mm-hmm.